You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Talking one-to-one with some of my clients over the last couple of weeks, I have been struck, and for the life of me, I don't know why, because I've been hearing much the same thing for the last 25 years, but I have been struck by the number of people on consecutive days who have said to me, I have voices in my head, I'm hearing voices. Now, I'm paraphrasing them ever so slightly, we're all aware that we have noise in our head. We've talked before about the 70,000 thoughts that rattle through our brain every day, largely the same 70,000 thoughts every day. We have noise in our head, and the noise in our head is effectively a set of programs that is used by our autopilot that enables us to make it from one day to the next, largely in survival mode. But is there a difference between this noise in my head on the one hand and and I'm hearing voices? I'm being ever so slightly facetious, obviously. But the fact is that the noise in our head is voices. And very often, it's our own voice. Our own voice second-guessing us, tripping us up, telling us that we're not good enough, telling us that we are stupid or shy, or telling us that we are wonderful and in the process covering over the imperfections that we all have. You see, the interesting point about the voices in my head is that they give me my sense of self, both from the perspective of my perceived weaknesses and my perceived strengths. But my strengths are just perceived too. We need to be very careful about what we think about ourselves, even when it comes to our strengths, by virtue of the fact that it is what we think about ourselves rather than ourselves. So if I go back to just a moment ago and the 70,000 thoughts that are rattling through our head, the programs that we run, the voice in our head is what psychology calls our conceptual self. Now let me ask you a question. If there is you and the conceptual you, which one do you think is real? It's it's kind of obvious because the conceptual one is just a concept. A concept fashioned from the stuff that we learned during our formative years that replays itself on an ordinary, everyday, repetitive basis. If there are two of you in your head, the real you and the conceptual you, who's making all the noise? Now you know who's making all the noise by virtue of the fact that most of that noise is what psychology would call self-referential. How are you doing? You're not doing the way you should be doing. You're not making the impression you'd love to make. Blah 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 all the bad stuff that holds us back. The person making all the noise is the one that isn't real. The person who thinks he or she knows best is the person who just thinks and is the product of thought, not the real one. 
So when I talk with my clients, or they talk to me, about the voices in their heads, they're actually really only talking about one voice. It is one voice that creates a cacophony of sound to the extent that there is never just noise in our head. There's a dialogue going on. It's never a monologue. There are always two people involved, the real you and the conceptual you. There is sometimes even an argument going on where the conceptual you is literally beating the living daylights out of you. And yet, he or she is just a concept. The upshot of all this is that, in effect, the real you is suppressed. Your ability to live your life to the full is suppressed by the automated ability we all have built into us to enable us to live our life just today and make it through. Your ability to fly is suppressed by the weight of noise that holds you down. You are effectively grounded by your own thoughts. I've used the word suppressed deliberately. You, you might even use the word depressed. It, it, it intrigues me, and it, and it really does still, now after, what, 13 years on YouTube, that of all the hundreds of videos I have on YouTube, the one on depression has about 30 times the number of views as all the others. People are depressed. I believe we're all depressed. For starters, our levels of energy are depressed. Our energy to enable us let go, to enable us throw caution to the wind and live life today like we actually mean it, is depressed under the weight of our own thought. And that is not a conceptual thing. We are talking about concepts here that aren't real. This is an actual fact of biology and physics. The energy flowing through my body is depressed by the thoughts that actually block its transit, that suppress its vibration down all the way down at superstring level. My energy is depressed. And if my energy is depressed, I can't be as present as I would like to be. I can't pour myself into what I need to do today to get to where I want to go. It's like everything else in life. We tend to put people, or ourselves for that matter, in boxes. You know, he is shy. She is extrovert. He is depressed. Oh, he's the kind of guy you'd like to hang around with. But the truth of the matter is that we're all living on what might loosely be described as continua. There is a continuum that at one end has joy and at the other end has stress. And all of us live somewhere along that continuum. There is a continuum between being fully available in the here and now and being depressed. And we all live somewhere along that continuum as well. But the fact is that most people, because of the way their normal thinking minds, the conceptual you in their head, shouts at them every day, browbeats them every day. Most people are down towards the depressed end of that continuum rather than where we need to be to live our lives to the full. Now I know immediately some people will balk at the notion that we are all a little or some a lot depressed. But the fact of the matter is that depression is simply a function of thought. 
simply a function of the noises in our own heads, or more precisely, simply a function of the manner in which we attend to the noises in our own head, how we listen to the voices and, and, and let them take control. Depression is, like stress, it's not real. Depression is a function of those thoughts, or of you giving your attention to those thoughts. Depression, like stress, starts with a thought, and it mightn't even be a bad thought. Any thought will do, because the way in which our overthinking minds operate, one thought opens the door to a flood of thoughts, and that flood of thoughts will always take us down the drain, down below the wonderful reality of what is actually going on in the here and the now. But those thoughts do really bad things to our body. You know, if we're talking about depression or suppression, those thoughts that trigger stress, for example, suppress our digestive system. And ultimately, our digestive system breaks down. That's why in years gone by, and I, I've, I've lived through this, I mean, the tablets to deal with stomach ulcers are only a recent innovation. That's why years ago, people suffering from stress died from stomach ulcers, because their digestive system had broken down, because stress, triggered by thought, and messaged around the body by cortisol, the stress hormone, suppresses the digestive system. We've talked before about why that is, because 10,000 years ago, the suppression of the digestive system enabled you harness all the energy that I was talking about a minute ago to get you away from the man or woman eating tiger. But if I'm suppressing my digestive system every day, I'm slowly killing myself. Everyday stress, which comes from a thought, which injects cortisol into my system, suppresses the immune system. And with viruses roaming free, so to speak, at the moment, we need our immune system fully booted up, armed and ready for action. And yet every day, when we have these little thoughts that hold us back, or again, let me correct myself, when we pay attention to the little voices, our own voices in our head, when we give them our energy, we steal our energy, from our own bodies. We steal our energy from our own being. We divert our energy into thought and take energy away from, for example, the immune system. We know what stress and depression does to the body. It doesn't just suppress the body. It suppresses the mind. It suppresses our very being. And yet, just before I sat down to record this podcast, I got a wonderful single-line email from a client in the US. And he said, I guess, to succeed, I have to just let go. Now, that's the title of my book from 2004, or it was actually published in 2006, but that's neither here nor there. It's a long time ago, and it's way before a lot of the modern neuroscience explained exactly how we can lift this depression and set ourselves free. It is the title of my Facebook group, To Succeed, Just Let Go. It is the title of this podcast, To Succeed, 
just let go. To succeed, we need to let go of, first of all, all our thoughts. We are married to our thoughts by virtue of the amount of attention we give to them every day. We need to let them go and let them float away like Chinese lanterns floating out on an evening sky over a lake. We need to let go of the thoughts that give us our impression of ourselves. And that, as I said a few minutes ago, includes our perceived strengths. And that means, to succeed, we also need to let go of what we think it is to succeed. Because our ideas of success are tainted by our normal way of thinking, are tainted by the collective normality of everyday thinking. I said earlier on that we box people, you know, he's a failure, she's a success. We normally categorize people who are a success, and I've used that term deliberately, and you know why from previous podcasts, because we categorize everybody and everyone, but we categorize success as people who look successful according to some matrix that we have in our normal thinking mind. How else could we do it? We can't just glide through life and say to ourselves, oh, he's a success. Ooh, she's a success. Because what we're doing is stumbling through our daily life, saying he looks like a success, she looks like a success, based on a matrix of what normal people think a success looks like. To succeed is not to have. To succeed is not to achieve. To succeed is to experience the joy of life. To succeed is to be carefree. To succeed is to have peace of mind. To succeed is to have lifted the lid of the things that suppress our ability to experience joy in the moment and the carefreeness of the peace of mind that comes from being in flow. Now, a lot of those things sound like kind of esoteric concepts, don't they? Peace of mind, being carefree, being in flow, although flow is a scientific state of mind analyzed to the nth degree by a variety of universities around the world to the extent that I can safely say that there are a number of attributes to flow that if you're experiencing them you're in flow. You are a success. You are experiencing joy. Now whilst I said that success is not having and not achieving it'd be very difficult in life to experience joy if you were achieving nothing, wouldn't it? It would be very difficult to be carefree if you had the bank running after you, wouldn't it? The point is that when we let go of the thoughts that are shouting at us in our own head, when we lift that depression, when we free ourselves from our own suppression. We free up our energy 
to enable us do all the things that we need to do to enable us have and achieve but the actual success comes from the experience of carefreeness peace of mind the experience of flying in comparison to the normal everyday life of crawling crawling through the mediocrity of her own thoughts we need to let go of everything we need to let go of what we think about how the world works because the world doesn't work the way we were told when we were three years old you don't have to work hard to be a success in fact <laughs> there are so many contradictions in that statement because success as I've just said it suggests having and achieving and that you have to work really hard to get there which means you couldn't be carefree you couldn't be flowing through life because flow is the exact opposite of effort flow is the exact opposite of hard work flow is effortless work in the moment effortlessly doing simply what you need to do to get to where you want to go but we need to let go of our notions and that's all they are about how the world works you need to work hard to be a success you need to have this that and the other for other people to look up to as if normal crazy people gave a damn they're not looking up to you they're looking at themselves wondering why you're not looking up to them normal people and we must remember this are not a source of validation for us most people go around looking for validation from other people simply because they haven't given themselves the stamp of self validation we need to let all that go all that every single bad thing i've just mentioned including the stomach ulcers comes from thought all the good stuff i've just mentioned comes from having let go of thought so instead of being a human thinking, you are a human being. You are in the moment. That is why mindfulness is critically important to us in our lives. The alternative, and it's a black and white alternative, it's a, an either or alternative, is mindlessness. When I'm weighed down and suppressed by thought, I'm mindless. Okay. Most people are mindless, but that doesn't make it right. Most people, just because they're hanging out with other mindless people, most people think it's okay. It's not okay to be mindless. It's not okay to miss your life. If you're not mindful, these moments are passing you by, and you'll never have them again. And as a friend of mine in the West of Ireland says, none of us is going to get out of this alive. We need to throw ourselves headlong into life now by letting go. Let go of who you think you are. Let go of how you think the world works. Let go of your obsession with money. Because most of us are obsessed with having what most of my clients initially, when I talk to them first, call financial security. Financial security, of course, is a bit like you, or who you think you are. It's just a concept. Let go of all that. As I said to somebody a couple of weeks ago, a client that I was talking to one-to-one -to -one who is an actual financial advisor, I said, the vast majority of people in this world have the financial cart before 
the horse. They think finance is the driver of success in their life. Whereas if you're passionate about what you're doing and you're doing the right things and you're in flow, the financial cart follows the horse of your investment of your energy in your own life and your giving of your energy freely to others around you as you move effortlessly forward experiencing the life that you would love to experience. Now, that is a phrase that is used often by me. It's used often by my clients as well. It's used often in our Zoom conversations in the online program, The Psychology of Success. The life you'd love to have. The life you'd love to have ticks all the boxes of what I described as success earlier on. I'm carefree. I don't have a care in the world. I'm in flow. I'm loving the moment. I'm experiencing complete peace of mind. I'm experiencing, now here's a word that a lot of my clients use, I'm experiencing joy. I remember a few years ago when I was brave enough, I suppose, to use the word joy with a group of clients. Somebody in the room said to me, ah, that's only a word you see on Christmas cards. But what kind of life are you living if there's no joy in it? The answer is no kind of life at all. You're living or existing suppressed under the weight of your own thoughts about you, about how the world works and what success looks and feels like. That, as I said a minute ago, is why mindfulness is so important in your life. That is why we need to ensure that we constantly, diligently, and in a disciplined and structured fashion retrain ourselves to be mindful. See, when we were two or three years old, we were permanently mindful. We were in flow all of the time. Unfortunately, we were so much in flow that we were taking psychological snapshots of stuff that in later life would hold us back. But it doesn't matter. The key point in what I've just said is that our natural state of mind is flow. Our natural state of mind is clarity of mind. Our natural way of being is mindful. It's only the caked, encrusted, rusty layers of thought that have led us to believe that we're mindless. There's another thing we need to let go of. We let go of all of this, and you see, refer back, if you if you must, to something I said a few minutes ago in relation to flow. When we're in flow, everything is effortless. So when I say let go, I'm not talking about something effortful that you need to do. I'm talking about letting all that stuff go. We let that go by diverting our attention from our own thoughts by diverting our attention from our conceptual selves, by diverting our attention from our warped understandings of how we think the world works, and by diverting our attention from what we think success looks like. We divert our attention, and this is, this is the really easy bit when you think about it, or actually when you don't think about it. We divert our attention to the one thing that's actually real. What could be easier? continue to pay attention to the rubbish that holds me back or I pay attention to what I'm say listening to now you're listening to this podcast 
you're hearing words from me, you're categorizing some of what I'm saying, you're judging a lot of what I'm saying, and in the process you're missing some of what I'm saying. But what have you just listened and heard? What if you sat down tomorrow morning and closed your eyes and heard, as I had said to me a couple of days ago, the ticking of the clock in our own sitting room? The clock had been ticking in her own sitting room for about 30 years and she'd never heard it until last Tuesday morning. What if you sat and listened and heard? What if you went for a walk, eyes wide open, and saw, instead of looking at something, thinking about it, and your thoughts taking you a million miles away. What if you sat down tomorrow morning and felt the weight of your bum on the seat of the chair, and just noticed it, and allowed that noticing and that feeling deepen your experience of pouring your energy and attention to the here and now. What if you sat down tomorrow morning, closed your eyes, and took some nice, long, slow, deep breaths, and simply noticed the air in your nostrils, felt the air in your lungs, became aware of the movement of your body with each breath that you take. What if you let the thoughts that are in your own head, that are nothings until you give them your attention, what if you let them simply pass by? The really interesting thing about this is that if we do that regularly for only even a few weeks, the actual machinery between our two ears, the physical brain becomes restructured in a way that enables us experience flow increasingly during the course of the day. And that's why when I said mindfulness is critically important earlier on, I didn't mean practicing mindfulness, sitting down with your legs crossed and your eyes closed, meditating. That's just the practice of mindfulness. I meant practical mindfulness. I meant applied mindfulness. I meant purposeful mindfulness. Being in flow in the here and now, deliberately, with your purpose in mind. We need to lift the suppression. Let the clouds of depression dissipate. We need to let what is beneath break through the surface of our conceptual selves. We need to let what is inside come out. And when the real you appears, you will have begun to embark on an adventure that the conceptual you couldn't even imagine. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, 
just let go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.